Kind of Funny is going to San Diego Comic-Con. We're doing a meet and greet at Polite Provisions. I'm hosting panels for Deus Ex, Tomb Raider, Call of Duty, and more. And best of all, Kevin won't be there. Get all the details at kindoffunny.com slash SDCC. Are you fine with that? I just need a third thing, and we don't have a third thing to promote, so I just keep making the joke that you're not there. I love you. You know that. (laughs) What's up, guys? Welcome to the first ever episode 77 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by the coolest dudes in video games, Colin Moriarty and Greg Miller. Hi. Portillo's there. He's there. Chilling. Chilling as always. Chomping on a... Chomping on some little... No, the pink cat pig. Face. Cat? The pink cat. Yeah. Maybe we'll it's one, of, that it's one of the Lola toys he just took. Mm. Got a, that toy actually... Lola got that toy from someone in a hotel lobby. Huh. So that toy's been making the rounds. It's the R. Kelly. Toy's a slut. Damn, son. A, toy just doesn't care, man. Just goes wherever. In everybody's mouth. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite place to be. Slut shaming the toy. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the kind of funny games cast. Every week we talk about cat toys and video games. Technically, it's a dog toy that looks like a cat. <laughs> I, I meant like cat toys. Okay. It's a toy that okay. is a cat. Not, okay, sure. Yeah, okay. It is a dog you're toy. You're right. You got me. You nailed theoretically. Me. You nailed me. And also, great. So you're telling me that this thing will fuck whoever the fuck it wants to, no, but it can't, whoa, it can't be played anybody. with by it's a cat? Get in people's mouths. Oh, no. No cat would play with this toy. Cats play with that toy. No way. You don't know shit, Greg. Anyways. We talk about video games a lot. You can find it here on youtube.com slash kind of funny games, or you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games and get the show early for some reason, um, along with a lot of other goodies. Yeah. And things like that of that nature. Q and A's. Q and A's. Fan mails. Uh huh. What else is there? Oh, what do we do? Just go look do at the page. Just yeah. go look at the page, please. Patreon.com slash we spend a lot of time games. on the page. Thank you. It's a good page. I actually am a big fan of the page, but I want to clean it up. Okay. It needs, it needs some. There's a lot of things you want to do. Of course there is. A lot of things not going to happen. Never. Yeah. Never. You know what is going to happen? What's that? A review of Song of the Deep oh by the one God. and only Gregorius Miller. Ladies and gentlemen, I love Song of the Deep. Mm. Caught me off guard. Here, I'll be, I also want to pre- I want to lead with still haven't beaten Song of the Deep because it's way longer than I thought it was going to be. But I'll walk you through it. What, Song of the Deep for me is hitting on something I didn't know I was missing. Uh, Saturday, I woke up. I wanted to play something I thought I was going to play Oxenfree. I was like, I'm going to platinum Oxenfree this weekend. Now, we haven't been home in so long. We've been to so many conventions in a row. I was like, I'm going to play a console game, and I'd like to get some trophies. And I saw Oxenfree. I was like, I wanted to give that another shot. Da, da, da. I jumped in, played a little bit of Oxenfree again. It just doesn't work for me. I've tried. I've given it a few shots. I've played through it on Xbox or I guess Steam. Um, it's a fine game. I, didn't, I wasn't in love with other people. I, I still like parts of it. So I closed it. Went back to the media bar or whatever and saw Song of the Deep chilling there. And I was like, I legitimately didn't know anything about Song of the Deep. I clicked on it. I mean, I knew it was Insomniac's game. I remember when they were teasing the reveal. They put out the little trailer or whatever. But it wasn't even a trailer. It was just like the reveal of it being an underwater game. Clicked on Song of the Deep. Got into it. And immediately was fell in love with it. Because it's it. what I didn't realize I was looking for was something I talked about a lot with unfinished Swan of gaming comfort food like that. I always talk about, I think in my review of unfinished Swan for IGN, I talk about, um, it's like a cup of cocoa in a blanket. Like it's one of those things like you want to hunker down with it and just spend it. And part of that I think is the fact that in unfinished Swan, someone's telling you a story like very clearly, you know what I mean? They're talking about the boy, they're doing all these different things in song of the deep is the same way where it's like, this is Marin, her and her father, her father's a fisherman. They live out here. She, you know, waits up from every night and one night he doesn't come back. So she, and like all this is happening in like storybook pages, like really, really not 
intricate art, but storybook art, like what I would expect out of that same color palette, same everything else. And so then you get into the game and the game is as beautiful as that. More beautiful than that. Like that's setting the tone for what your color palette's going to be and how the game's going to be. But then the levels themselves, incredibly beautiful. Uh, the soundtrack, the, the, you know, instrumentals that are going behind it. Awesome. and Beautiful too. And then you have this really, really great narration from this Irish woman that I, and I, I again, I would beat it. Maybe at the end, it turns out to be her mother. Go. Mashalele. Oh, Mashalele. <laughs> oh, Daniel Dwyer. It's Amy Gills. Oh, it's Amy Gills. <laughs> big twist. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was totally hit this nerve. I, I didn't know. We always talk about, you know, games scratching itches that we didn't know were there or whatever. And it totally got me and you know, sitting there and playing it and being in love with everything that was happening. And it's, a, you know, if you don't know, it's a Metroidvania game. You're in this little submarine submersible going through looking for your father. You can zoom out and see how huge the map is at any time. You're obviously running into plenty of stuff. Where you're like, clearly this is a door or a barrier that I can't get through with my current weapons. So I know that at some point I'll come back and you're going and there's like, little crevices to go in and you're like okay am i gonna be able to shrink the ship or something else it turns out you can get out of the ship eventually when you get this other thing it's a it's a uh, it's a beautiful game it is a game that's speaking to me on a storybook level which i really appreciate and something i, I was talking about because you know reviews i saw after, i didn't i didn't read any reviews beforehand started playing it and after like that first day with it saturday i jumped out to just look at scores and saw that it's getting like sevens and sixes I understand that I would I mean I I would be you know high sevens or whatever maybe an eight if I was still having to worry about that kind of crap but I don't thank goodness so I understand that why I'd be getting that because for me in the good way it's very much a game you know if that makes sense Mm -hmm. you're playing it and there is I don't feel like there is this bigger message it isn't pushing technology in a different way it's like here's a fun metroidvania game for you to play that theoretically should take you a weekend probably or two days, right? I spent all Saturday playing, jumped in on Sunday, did a couple hours, did a couple hours Monday night or maybe an hour Monday night. And so I still feel like I have, I, was, I think I estimated yesterday when we were talking about it, like four hours left, if mm. I'm guessing, which I don't know, but based on trophies and bosses that are still out there and stuff like that, I think it's a really well put together package. It's a really interesting, fun world. Uh, there's, you know, like I'm, it, I, I'm playing on normal. There's a harder level, but I'm not, getting to this point where I'm feeling like I'm pissed off at enemies. They're putting me in a room where it's like gauntlet and maybe I'll die, but then I come back and kill everything. You know, it's like, okay, cool. The weapons are there. Upgrades are attainable. Like it's one of those, you know, Metroidvanias are all about, you know, finding your new items, weapons, or, you know, abilities, and then maxing them out through your skill trees and stuff like that. Same thing here with taking the gold you found and buying from the shrimp man or whatever the upgrade you need. And it's, it's fun. Like it's super, it's simple and it's a game and I think just the way I'm describing it, you know now what this thing is, but there's something about it. There's something special to it. You're not talking about mechanics though. So how does the game, how does the game play and what do you, so you're in a submersible. Yeah, you're in a little submarine that you um, build. And then uh, you, you fire rockets with it or, and stuff like that. You're eventually, yeah. Your first basic thing is that you have a little hook shot basically that you can shoot out that you can, you can use to grab things to interact and pull levers. And you know, it's, certain times will be ones to pull levels, levers to open doors and then release and then try to get over there and get out. So it's like, from the basic level, yeah, it's the little grappling hook kind of thing that you're using that you can shoot into enemies and attack them that way and then flank them and do it again. Uh, you can upgrade that and you know make it more powerful, make all these different things. Then, yes, you get torpedoes at some one point, and then you can upgrade them to have dual torpedoes for one shot. Then you get uh, this like 
uh, you get a ice blast that can freeze enemies or like you can use it in puzzles because there's puzzles too, too, obviously where you can make when you freeze these like like uh, I guess what do they call them? warheads if you want or bombs, I guess mines. Once you freeze them, they can then can like they become buoyant and so you can use them and move them around and blow stuff up like that. Um, yeah, there's a, a thermal detonation one out stuff like that. Uh, you have a boost to, you know, swim faster, which then comes because there's other times where it's like you got to try to fight the current, but you can't. But you can see that you need to at some point. So it's it's interesting like every metroidvania i think my favorite part is learning the mechanics and seeing things and like oh how am i going to do that so the first time it's like all right cool i can boost this far and now that i've upgraded my grappling hook i can grab that thing and then you know pull myself around and mm-hmm. swing over there and there's <clears> all that and then eventually they start tossing and the only the, the, the downside to the game i feel like is they put in some uh you're having this great time you're in the submersible everything's really cool then they put in some of those like light puzzles like you know what i mean like all right we, you have to get this laser up here so to do that you need to like move all these mirrors and bounce light oh, around no not they're the, super the old mirror laser puzzle the old mirror laser puzzle Ugh. so they're they're not hard you know what i mean again it's it's a it's a it's a simple game and I don't mean that as a, a you know a way to detract from it. Sometimes I was overcomplicating it. But when I first got in this room and I have like two sets of red, two sets of blue, two, two sets of green that I'm trying to bounce all around all these mirrors, I was like this isn't what I loved about this game. This isn't where I, where I wanted to be, but I got out of it fast enough to keep going. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that it is long. I do feel I was looking for I when I started it I'm like I'm going to beat this in a day. And then when I did I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm going to I'm going to go over to Nick's watch UFC. I'll beat it tomorrow." And then I got in for a little bit. I was like, "Man, there's still more. It's not overstaying its welcome, but I think I was trying to power through it, not power through, but I wanted to get through it like I did on Finish Swan, where it was like a sitting and I was over it. Um, this has more lasting power, but that only agitates me more in the fact of why doesn't it have a platinum trophy? Like, why is this not being treated like a real game? If it's on disc, it is long. It, it is, is weird. That was really bizarre, game. huh? When I saw that. We talked about that on PS I Love You, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you weren't there, I guess, but we did talk about it. Then we talked about it on Colin and Greg, I think, as well. But we t- I talked about it on PS I Love You that... This game has no platinum trophy, which is really fucking annoying. Actually, like to me, like it's not bizarre or anything. It's obnoxious. Yeah, that, like the game this long, this deep, a Metroidvania game has ten trophies or something like that. I know that's not important to a lot of people, but to a lot of people, it is important. And, yeah. and I thought that, that was a it's not a turnoff. I want to play the game. I've had the, I, I, the only reason I haven't played it is because I haven't really been here. But sure. uh, I was on vacation. But um, so I've been playing Vita. But um, that sucks. Yeah, I saw totally. That and that's like, the, like, like, there's collectibles and upgrades. All this, like, there's a million different ways you're you could put, flesh this out. And that's the thing. For now that I'm in, uh, it, the fact that it didn't have a platinum, and I started off, and I'm like, oh, it has. It's ringing like unfinished swan. I'm expecting that kind of experience. And now that I'm more, oh, geez, God, I don't know, eight hours in, we'll say maybe. You know what I mean? I'd have to go look at a game clock or whatever. Seven, eight hours in. It's like this is a full fledged game. Like, so why isn't it being treated like that? And yeah, why is it that I'm going to upgrade all my things for a silver or whatever, when it should be that I'm going through yeah, and getting silly. How did the upgrade, how does the upgrade system work? Because one of the complaints I've seen in reviews of the game was that, uh, the upgrade system, I don't mind this kind of upgrade system, but I guess some people do is that like, you have to kind of pick and choose the upgrades you have to, you have to use, but eventually you are so experienced that you can just fill out the entire tree, which to me is fine. But a lot of people are like one review in particular, I read really had a problem with that, that mm. it wasn't as thoughtful as it seemed. In the beginning, in other words, you have to make your choices and then I mean, that's how kind of- I always do it, right? Like for me looking at an upgrade tree, it's always like, well, is there a trophy attached to it? And how does that work? So for me, it was I put everything into the hook shot I was, or the grappling hook. I was using it so much. And then when I got torpedoes, I started putting everything into torpedoes and ignoring some of the other stuff. And then now that I'm yeah, I'm making more money because what you do is you go through, you beat the enemies. They drop gold or silver coins. Uh, your map when you pull out, which I, I really love. I know some people want it like Axiom Verge has so many hidden secrets and it's you don't you have to leave overwhelming one or two markers for it. And it's kind of like, oh, man, I, I saw this. I don't ever know how to get to it. 
this one once you explore the map and fill it out you see every treasure chest you see every door you know like so it's like shadow complex exactly you know everything's there so for me it's totally that carrot on the end of the stick of keeping me motivated where it's like all right cool i've you know i got the three gems to do this and now i need to go over there to do that and i could take this really direct route but But i haven't been been back up there in forever so let's go so you go through there and you're getting like gold or silver fish statues or pearls or stuff that give you more and more coins what what with some of the touch you're not a huge metroidvania fan right so you've not played like a, a vast array of these games correct right? yeah yeah so but for the touchstones that you have played how big is the map compared to say symphony of the night or shadow complex or the games you've you have played? Uh, well i've so i mean if we're talking about it, i've played symphony of the night but that was a long time ago and then more recently axiom verge the axiom verge is huge so yeah. so is it it's not fe- it's not that big I when you zoom out you'd you could look at it and be like oh my god it seems like it's huge but you move so quickly through mm. it it's it's not Again, I don't mean to insult it or anything. It's not baby's first Metroidvania, but it it is like a dumb down. It is a simple Metroidvania. Well, you can wrap like the your story head around would suggest this. that that is the entry. It could be an entry point. Yeah, for and young I, but I like that, and that's why mm-hmm. it's working for me. And I totally, and that's why I think having not even read the reviews, just seen the scores, I get where they're coming from. That this isn't, but this is very much one of those games we would always talk about at IGN, right? Of explore the scale, where yeah, not everything needs to be an eight or a nine or a ten, but like. This game for me is is hitting on something. You know what I mean? I want to. I don't want every game to be like this, but this is a kind of game I was missing and didn't know I was missing. Where I do want there to be like I'm someone's reading me a story and I'm just participating in it. What's the uh, price point for it? Great question. I think it's nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And but so what, what's, the, what's the, the deal with something the like uh, with the GameStop? So this is the GameStop publishing label label right where they this Game is, Trust. Yeah, Game Trust, where they've partnered now to, with certain developers like Insomniac or whatever to put out games that way and try to. I think it's you know it's GameStop trying to future proof a bit, right? So that if the stores do go away, they have other arms and other revenue streams. And so this is this was their first one, right? They've yeah, been this, this, since the, this is their first. Uh, Ready at Dawn, they're doing one with them as well with the guys that made the order. Yeah. Um, so the game is available only at retail in GameStop stores, but you can buy it digitally on, on downloadable gotcha. services where, where it is available. So PSN and Xbox Live. I think it might be Steam game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure about that. It seems cool. Yeah. Insomniac is a studio I'm very close to. So I, I uh, it's certainly a game I want to play. I like to try to play everything that sure. they put out. But um, like I was telling it's you, it's not urgent to me. I have I Am Sitsuna oh, now, sure, so sure, it's sure, not sure, urgent sure. to me at all. What oh, I was telling you on Colin and Greg Live, I think still rings true is, you know, on PS I Love You a few weeks ago, we did the thing where one of the kids was like, you guys get to make a game, but you have to assign these developers these different parts. And I think it was, I, I always forget it. He put down fun or entertainment or entertaining gameplay. And my pick for that was Insomniac. And this is like the whole, not, not I hadn't played this game yet. This is like the reason why though is like an Insomniac game. You know, you're going to sit down, whether it's Sunset Overdrive, whether it's this, whether it's a resistance, you know, you're going to sit down and have a great time with it. It's mm-hmm. going to be rewarding a ratchet and clank. It's going to feel like, cool. I'm making progress and I'm, I'm having a great time doing it. And that's exactly what's happening here, mm-hmm. which is interesting because I really feel the last time I was in a mood and sat down with a game and loved it was Ratchet and Clank, which was the same thing where I woke up on a weekend. I was like, I'm finally ready to play this game and played it for a day. And I was like, this yeah. is awesome. This is exactly what I want. Did Ratchet you beat a uh, Ori? No, I never beat. Ori. Oh, okay, cool. Because this game, it seems kind of similar to that. See, the thing ways. about Ori, though, right? And this is even what I got from demos and talking to you about it was like in Steimer about it at the time was like how the difficulty spike mm-hmm. where you got frustrated. You're like, fuck this. You know yeah. what I mean? You got mad at the game. I've, I've never had that. This is. 100% like a chill experience and that's what when I talk about the soundtrack being so good and I talk about the voiceover being so good I think it's just maybe it's you know as our lives are so hectic and they've been so crazy lately uh, maybe that's what just it's calm and it's soothing and it's this and it's it's when when I do die it's not like man there's no way to get around I'm never going to fa- f- figure this out or get past it's like no I did something wrong you know what I mean mm-hmm. like the few of the puzzles with the you know you you make the mind float and then you have to move it around but if it touches this or, you know there's like because there's like air pockets pushing things around there's some really clever design puzzles in there not 
impossible to beat you see them you can figure it out pretty much but i like that i do i i like the idea of you know i i leave a room and i see something as i go and then i see something down there like whether it be a, uh an object that i know i need to go put in this clamshell mouth or whatever and it's like oh that's how that connects and mm. i come back and do it right away rather than like some games where it's like i've beat my head against the wall for 30 minutes trying to figure out what's here i must not have it yet or maybe i do and i just don't understand but i'll go away and figure it out like i'm i feel like what song of the deep is really great at is presenting you with these little challenges that you can, you can conquer and feel good about it and then move on to the next thing or understand that I don't have what I need here. Like it's clear that I still, you know, in my playthrough right now, i still have these glass walls, which are like one of the final barriers. These like, I don't even know they're glass, whatever they look like green tubes or whatever. And I don't have whatever I need to break them. And so every time I see it, I'm like, okay, cool. I know I'm not ready for that. Mm-hmm. Whereas before when it was like the lava wall, I was like, eventually I'll figure that out. Or the, again, when I was like, I know there's a, I'm going to get small or something's going to get small to go through there to make yeah. it work. There's a few things that turn me off about the way you're describing it. So sure. just in the sense that, I mean, and I don't know for sure. I've not played it myself. I might, I might interpret it differently. It sounds easy, which is a turnoff. Now there are examples of easy Metroidvania games that are fun. I think actually shadow complex is a great example. That game is fucking easy as hell. Um, and it's just fun because of the lore. It's, it's fun because of the world. Too, yeah, though. it's a satisfying game to play. It's just it's just a good game. Um, so that might be nullified by you know the nature of the game as well. The trophy thing obviously yeah. the trophy thing obviously turns me off as of well. Um, but that's kind of an ancillary and not important thing. It's not going to stop me from playing the game. Um, but yeah, it seems like it's uh, easy, which is fine. I like the idea of an entry point though. Yeah, for the genre because when you think about. And I don't know if that that's the way they're pitching it. You might just be good at the game for all you know um, or whatever, but. When I think about the Metroidvania games, that's a, that's a genre I explore readily. The, the easiest one I can think of recently was um, uh, the fuck was it? Not Shinobi. Um, the uh, the one that Capcom released. Why can't I think of it? The the Ninja one. Strider. Oh, Strider. That one was so Strider. There was a Metroidvania Strider game like two or three years ago, right around when PS4 came out. And that was a really easy game, but it was also really satisfying as well. Just this good genre to explore, like similar to like how Pokemon is a nice and traditional Pokemon is a nice uh, gateway to role playing games for for gamers. Like I can't think of a a way to say like this genre is really great, but you should play Super Metroid or the original Metroid, which is fucking really hard or something like that, like or Symphony of the Night, which is, I think, very obtuse to a lot of people. You can miss half the game and never know. Um, that's where I think Ori comes into play for me. I think Ori is a good, but Ori's hard. Well, it gets it has its hard moments. I wouldn't say it's hard overall. I, I mean, I played one of those spots. Couple, it, we played, yeah, when we, you played that one demo, yeah. but that was like, and that was, I was like, super I'm deep like, into the do, game. I mean, you can do it, but it's I'm like, this is actually like shocking. Yeah, hard, which is actually one of the turn ons for that game for me. I was like, great. Like, yeah, that was one of the, the few moments in, that are that difficult. But I think that Ori overall is a good entry point into uh, getting into all those types of games. Y'all nerds should play Symphony of the Night, though, out there. If you if you don't know what Metroidvania is or just not familiar with the genre, it's I mean, good. That's, it's that's, really good. that's Symphony of the Night is one of the great games of all time and yeah. easily one, easily the best Metroidvania game, I think. So, um, good play. Super Metroid, obviously, a great place to jump in as well. Although I think Super Metroid a little cumbersome. I didn't like it. I it's a little overrated. I mean, like it's 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 not overrated. I tried talked, to play We it. talked about this in the past, right? Like, there's a problem with 16-bit games generally that follow a style of old 8-bit games, and that that's the this the um resolute or not the resolution but like we're playing in four three still but everything's bigger so like nothing it's and it's and sometimes even zoomed in because you have like these better looking pixel graphics so sam's just way too big in that game that was like that's like super metroid yeah think about metroid 2 think about well that's that's, i mean it's even worse on metroid 2 on game boy but think about the perspective of the original metroid and then think about super metroid and and there's just less room to work I that, that's a huge. I don't that's think a huge it gets in the way. That, that's a, that was a huge problem. To me even even Com- when I first played comparing it. The, this to Still Super Metroid to Axiom Verge and then putting Song of the Deep in there. One of the reasons I think maybe it is easier or it's a you know more appealing to me in the fact is that 
you're not moving because when I when with the Super Metro or I'm sorry for the Castlevania or Metroidvania games we're talking about right now, I immediately start thinking about stiff controls. You know what I mean? Of the D-pad and the direction of that. And even Axiom Verge is better at it, but I still always have that problem where I'm trying to aim on an angle mm-hmm. and it doesn't. Whereas with Song of the Deep, being on the sticks or whatever and being your underwater, you can totally strafe around and do stuff. Yeah. And I feel like I'm in the control. I'm in. I can control what's happening in a battle much better than I can. Axiom Verge, which I loved and played the shit out of on Vita on our trips, like great game, really enjoyable. I still felt most of the time like. Man, I'm. I, this is gonna be hard to get through. These guys, they're in control. I yeah. feel as Marin, I'm in control of the battlefield when I'm in there because I do get to do the idea of shoot these jellyfish first or whatever, then go after this fish who's throwing his bombs or get get far enough away so that I can see their incoming attack attacks and strafe around them and get around. Is it a dual stick? Yeah. Thing? So you're controlling yeah, moving okay, that cool. way. Yeah. Well, you're aiming or whatever, moving. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot a lot more yeah, sense because yeah. yeah, like the the controls specifically with the diagonals are a little bit hard. On yeah. Exactly. Any, any of the games, I think that's a problem even with like Shadow Complex. So. Yeah. And I think this is a bit forgiving, maybe with hitboxes or stuff like that. And it's when you're shooting projectiles like uh, the hook or the missiles or whatever, you'll see a little uh, like uh, indicator on them go red, meaning that like that's who you're going to be shooting at. That's what's going to happen. It's going to go that way. Any funny final closing thoughts? On I think this? everybody should give it a shot. Uh, I mean, if if what I've said sounds interesting, if if anything I've said sounds like a turn off, don't worry about it. But like for me super enjoyable game like i really really wasn't expecting anything from it and i'm really really in love with it i'm really i can't wait to be i can't wait to sit down again and get a big chunk of time to sit there and play through and finish it like it a lot check it out topic two pokemon go again now here's the thing last week we talked about it very very little it was in the topic of what are we playing now and i was trying to play it but there was the servers kept crashing and all that so i had very little experience with it and that was the day that it came out so it was not nearly the phenomenon that it is now. In the last week, it has taken over the entire world. It yes. seems like every social feed, every newscast. Right. Like me and Kevin were at Ramen, and we're seeing a freaking Krabby on ESPN. I was like, "The fuck's going on? This is such a weird world that we live in." It's been so crazy. It. it is fantastic. Shout out to Team Mystic. So all the other teams, fuck y'all. Let's start. Have how much of it have you played? Because I want to get to like what's happening in society and like what the hell's going on. But like. I have played as much as I could in my day to day. So okay. the thing is, it's like every day to day. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to, shout out to day to day. My um, favorite Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I'll turn it on every once in a while throughout the day, but the problem is, I'm either here or at my house. Right. So I'm getting a lot of the same things over and over. But that's fine because that you level up that way and and whatever. But the problem is, I'm not mobile enough to mobile. be able to like go to all the the Pokestops and refill my lures and all that shit. So uh, I haven't been able to what. Sorry, sidebar. What is a lure? Because everyone keeps talking about they're doing this and they're dropping lures. And Grimecraft was doing a DJ party and dropping. Like yeah. I don't know what this means. Are you bringing Pokemon in? Or are you tricking the trainers? No. So it. So you there's an item called incest. Incest? No, not incest. Incest uh, is in- incense. Incense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incense. <laughs> That's a different item. Uh, incest uh, is uh, a incense, different item. Like, there's something wrong with that. Incense, where uh, you you use it and then it lures the Pokemon in to you to your spot. So you get gotcha. thirty minutes of people coming there, and if multiple people are using the same spot, it turns into this like crazy. You get multiplier. Gosh, gotcha, now I'm caught up. Now so that's up. why there's like groups of people gathering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at specific places. Um, so I'll use that, but the problem is you go to the Pokestops to refill those. And uh, I haven't been able to do that too much just because I'm working and, and doing all that sure. stuff. But um, every night I'll like flip it on and just, you know, catch a couple of Pidgeys because why the fuck not? Why not? Um, and anytime the, the thing is that whenever I'm out to dinner and stuff, that is when it's like most interesting to me because then you're in a new spot. I'm in a new spot. So there's new stuff happening and there's usually gyms and shit around there. 
Um, so I played a decent amount. The problem is the servers do still keep crashing on me. Right. Um, and uh, the game keeps glitching out. And the, there's been multiple times where I've caught Pokemon and then it freezes. And I'm like, God damn it. Um, so there's a little frustrating things like that. But there's already been a bug, a bug fix update. It fixed a lot of the stuff. And their plan is to, I think, every two weeks release a new update to keep fixing this stuff. It's not out worldwide yet. So I think that uh, they definitely understand what they have here. And it's it's a phenomenon. It's, you know, this yeah. is like th- this is one of those rare instances where it's overtaking everything in a way that not many things have since Pokemon launched in 98 in America. You know, yeah. and uh, it's crazy to see like you were talking about. Aaron playing it mm-hmm. like Gia talking to me. She's like, should I download? It? I feel like it. Like, I don't want to be on the bandwagon. She was telling me this whole conversation she had with her friend about both of them being like, I don't know if we should. Cause whatever. Fake gamer like, girls. That's hilarious. That like, that's even a conversation happening. The Gia's thinking about downloading a Pokemon game. Yeah. Like the fuck she should totally do it. Um, but what's, what's cool is uh, there's, I know so many people that are, that are playing and that are addicted to it that are not gamers at all. Yeah. And I think we all have those stories, but my friend Curran, his girlfriend, Shari, is obsessed with it more than he is. And he loves it too. So they'll be out every morning. I wake up and I just hear the freaking Pokemon theme music playing. Cause they're in the other room booting the app up. I'm like, this is awesome. Cause it's just getting people engaged. And it's like, I feel like so many core gamers are bitching that it's like, Oh, the, there's no game here. And I got, I got bored in a minute. If you get bored in a minute, you're not doing it right. Like it's not about the gameplay. Like the gameplay is very minimal. It's just collecting them. It is. And it's, it's more about just using the app as you go about life. Yeah. Like it's it's an ongoing kind of passive thing in a lot of ways that's only active when you're thinking about it and, and want to go go from there. So it's like for me, when I go out to dinner, that is the perfect time where it's just like, cool, I'm gonna catch a motherfucking Krabby because why the hell not? Um, but what's weird is I admittedly want more from this. You know, I want this to be more of a fleshed out thing. I want there to be badges and I want to be able to to train and like fight people in a, in a more direct way instead of just the, the gym system they have. But I also understand that how dumbed down and simplified it is, is why it's so appealing to people. And it's not a huge commitment. It's not a big time. Exactly. And, and, and I, the opposite of that though, is it's obtuse as all hell. Like when you first, you don't know what the hell you're doing. It's really weird. And what's interesting to me is I've learned more about this game from random motherfuckers on the street telling me what to do than anyone else. Really? And that's insane. Yeah. Like I was at Buffalo Wild Wings a couple nights ago and someone saw me with and he's like, oh dude, hey, you no, no, you're doing this wrong. You gotta make sure that uh, when the circle's in the right place, that's when you do it. I'm like, oh shit. And I did that. I'm like, cool. Didn't know that because the game does not tell you that yeah. at all. Yeah, that was a big takeaway for me was um Aaron downloaded it when we were in Las Vegas and and she was like, I don't understand this. This is I'm like, all right, give me the phone. Like I like that like you're like I'll dad you, stepping in. Yeah, well, like, give like, me the like control. My, my son, she's like, I, I've been playing games for thirty years. I'll teach you how to play. I understand. Like, uh, like I'll read it. And I was like, I have no fucking idea. Like, I like, and then I like went. I, I'm like, where? I'm like, the, the, you're like, th- do you throw it or you drag it? And then I was like, and I'm like, and, and I was like reading. I'm like, huh? And then I went online and I found a, like a lot of the answers. And she started understanding it way more than I do now. But it's one of my major takeaways is that it's obtuse, but I think it's intentionally obtuse because it. it, it Makes you uh, talk. It, yeah, it, it, it enhances the social aspect of the game. I mean, here's the thing about, about this game to me is I've really marinated about it is a I started messing around with it on Aaron's phone. I have downloaded it on my phone, uh, but I, I mess around with it on her phone and I get it like I totally get it. I mean, I immediately got it. I'm like, yeah, I totally understand why this is fun for people. This would be fun for me. I'm not going down this road. I can barely find time to play the games I want to play. I'm not going to fuck with this game. Um, but uh, this is one of the examples we talk about with like companies like Apple, right? Like. The, the iPhone seems so obvious, but it's not. It's like it, it took vision to like come for someone to be like, you need this. And, and frankly, like the game isn't this this technical behemoth. It's not like there's nothing really radical about it. It just took vision to realize that like this is 
um, this is pertinent. This is exactly what Pokemon needed to do because I, we've been saying for years, like put Pokemon on iPhone. What did I mean by that? Put fucking Pokemon on iPhone. You know, why is Sun Moon not an iPhone? I mean, that was like kind of my vision about what Pokemon on iPhone would be, which would still be huge, but not like this. And so like this takes um, the basic, more simple aspects and and the the inherently social aspects of of Pokemon. Although I know that they're going to put in like trading, like direct trading and all that kind of stuff, which I think was in the reveal. Well, they they said that they're adding things because that's in the reveal trailer. Right. So like that. So like that they're they're clearly working on that on that kind of stuff. And and they did talk about that. I think we didn't. Wasn't on Colin and Greg live. Where he's like, yeah, they did say that. They're like, that's a fundamental aspect of the game, and we're working on that. I think it was basically. The what tra- I mean, yeah, they, I'm sure they're like it's a fundamental aspect of Pokemon, but I don't think that they've announced that they've. I, I, I might be wrong about this, but I don't think that they've said that they're adding trading to this. I think they did, but we'll, I'm gonna we'll, look. I'm gonna look. Yeah, look. Um, but uh, yeah, look up like a Niantic uh, CEO interview that from like two days ago. Um, but uh, I I really respect the shit out of this game. Like I do. Like I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and lie about it. now. It's like ruining social media for me, but like, so I ruin social media for people all the time with uh, during football season and stuff. So I'm not saying anyone's doing anything wrong. It's certainly keeping me off Twitter because uh, I'm like, I can't right now. I can't with this. Um, but I'm really, it's really appealing how many people are playing and how much money they're making. They were saying, they said early on, they're making about $2 million a day, a day. Um, which is a lot of money. They can do way better and they're going to do way better because the game is only out in New Zealand, Australia, and the United States, and I think Japan. So um is it out in japan yet i don't think it is okay so not even in japan so those three territories so once that i mean it's gonna be bigger than anywhere in, in japan than it is anywhere else in the world obviously per capita and um and then you have western europe you have eastern europe you have mainland asia you have uh, africa you have the middle east you have like a bunch of places that like the game south america central america the game's gonna be fucking huge they're gonna be making way more than two million dollars a day that, that that's that's the thing about it is like these guys are gonna be making hand over fist money um, I wonder what Nintendo's agreement with, uh, you know, s- s- with Pokemon Company, Nintendo, and then Niantic is in terms of splitting the money. I'm sure it's very advantageous to Nintendo. So a lot of respect for them to, to found this. There's ways for them to build on this to sustain it. That's my big question is, are they going to be able to sustain yeah. it? Because the game is shallow. So real quick uh, timeout trading is coming according to the business. Yeah, Insider, I, thought, I, I thought they announced that. It, yeah, it broke recently. So um, but the, the thing about it is sustaining it to your point and like capitalizing on it i think is the fact that they already are so great with the updates you know what i mean we always talk about how hard it is to get an update push through playstation or xbox all these hoops you have to jump through the fact that every like i literally saw i think will smith uh talk not the not will smith like the actor will smith will smith from test.com or formerly of test.com talking about the google account stuff right that it has all these permissions now he's deleting it he's unsyncing and people were freaking out about that and then they put out the update like what 12 hours later like that's one of the we're fixing that dialing that back sorry people were i was complaining because like i downloaded that first night played it out there with you guys like all right cool i'll I'll screw around it here and there i went to use it again the next day and it was like log back in with your google account i'm like i don't remember which one i used i'm not gonna do it yeah and then they're like we're dialing that out too like they're they're listening and i think it's gonna be fascinating to see now that they're making so much money how much money gets dumped back into it now like all right cool like fuck this is a huge thing keep going make it better yeah and that that was the thing when they they announced they're making two million dollars a day i'm like that's actually not that impressive considering the like and i'm not saying that i wouldn't want my company to make two million dollars a day i'm saying we'd love it with the the, uh the penetration of this game is significant that's actually not a lot of money considering how many people are playing the game so i think that like once you scale it to like uh candy crush level uh candy crush level or you scale it to uh clash of clans level those guys make way more than two million dollars a day and the and that's when that's when this is going to become like a massive phenomenon. The thing those games have, the other mobile games that are that are huge have that this doesn't have is gameplay. And so is the hook of capturing Pokemon and trading them and then going to these gyms and going to all this kind of stuff. Is that going to be enough to sustain the game, even as they clearly are going to add in all of the rest of the Pokemon? There's like got to be 100, 500 Pokemon missing or something like that from this game. Um, Over 600. Yeah. So like a lot. So they, they can very cleverly 
just keep inserting yeah. those into the game. But is that even going to be enough of a hook? Like, I'm curious about the casual gamer. I'm curious because the casual gamer sustained this. The, the hardcore gamer is uh, doesn't have the attention span to, to play this game. The, the hardcore gamer doesn't sustain King's fucking insane billion dollar model of, you know, like nor does the hardcore gamer dial in of ga- game of war and all these kinds of games that you see. Like we're not, we're not the ones playing these games and we're not the ones playing this either. So like, uh, no, I think we are though. I think we that's, are right now, but, but we're think, not going to be, we're not going to be the difference though, is this is not, it's not something like candy crush or whatever that those are just like, those are things that you need to be playing. This is just something that's just happening. And it's, you think about it more when you're out and when you're traveling, or when you're walking your dog or whatever. And I think that like as long as they keep giving more reasons to like more exciting events and stuff, and I think that they're planning on that, that's what's going to keep people hooked. Like we're talking about doing the idea of sponsorship opportunities is insane with this. Like someone was looking through the code and they found that like McDonald's is probably going to be a sponsor thing. The idea that like if you go to the McDonald's, there's going to be something special there. That is the type of stuff where it's like, huh. I guess I'm close enough to a McDonald's. I'm going to go there. Yeah. And like, I feel like they can make things exciting. If they're just dropping, yo, you can get a motherfucking ditto. The only way to get it is if on these days you go there. That's how they're going to get the hardcore people and the, the casuals. Because that, those are the people. The hardcore want them all. They want to catch them all. And they want to be able to have the best of everything. And then the casuals are like, I'm close enough to McDonald's. I'll just fucking go. Yeah, I mean, I I I agree with that, but I disagree that hardcore is the hardcore gamer is going to sustain this game. It's not. If, they, if they're going to if they're going to go towards the hardcore Nintendo fans, game's going to die. So like the so the they need to they need to have a more clever hook than just catching the Pokemon and just trading them and just going to these gyms and stuff like that and like they have to and for I, now and, and, I, and I think they yeah for now it works the game's a week old I know. so like so like well, we're I'm expressing see, so with our, we have our hardcore friends who are waking up at three in the morning because their phone buzzes that a Pikachu's outside right right now and, I know and that's what I'm saying it's the summer there's nothing yeah. to play like that's what I'm saying like th- this game in six months is not going to be a phenomenon in the hardcore gaming like community I don't think it's going to be a phenomenon with everyone so like yeah they need to figure out they need to figure out a way to um to figure that out that said like even if they don't even if they added nothing to this game at all it's got it's going to clearly have legs um and i've been really fascinated with the penetration of the game with with people like you said with erin and her cousin kate who don't play games at all who are like really into it she she's bringing it up to me she's like we were, we were she was walking to lola saying like we were looking for like pokestops and catching things in the park and stuff like that and i'm like this is this is fantastic like just because I'm, I'm glad she's having fun she's been so exposed to games with me for the first time that she's like actually I don't think she's ever gonna become a gamer, and that's not really not important to me at all that she does. But that like she's appreciating what they're what these games are all about, and so even if this is her entry point in in many ways to to playing games, I think that's pretty cool. And I, again, I have an immense amount of respect for the way they made this game. I think it takes vision to make a game like this. I don't think it's as obvious as as uh, they there are there is another Pokemon game on mobile, right? And it's not like a deep Pokemon game or anything like that. Pokemon Shuffle, whatever the fuck yeah. they call it. And this made more money, and this has already made more money uh, in a week than it made lifetime on that other that other that other app. So. Um, that's such a crowded space. Uh, you know, the race to the bottom on the phone is real. The iPhone and the Android, uh, platform is largely garbage for games. So, I mean, like, I don't think anyone would dispute that's fucking trash for games. So to be able to have something that rises to the top like that and becomes more than a game to people, but in an app that they open up and keep and keep passively going throughout the day, I think is really cool. And, uh, what I'm interested to see is how they're able to translate this to, to, um, people buying 3ds's and buying pokemon moon and, and sun or whatever you, know, you gotta do um, is make have gamestop have a special thing of you can only get whatever pokemon it is at gamestop during these days that pokemon sun and moon come out yeah i think it's i think so there's like i want to see i want to see this it's gonna take time but i want to see like actually a really long time probably need about six months for this since the pokemon games need to come out and then need to to to, to, to gestate a little bit but what is the pickup rate are, are is will erin want to play pokemon moon and sun you know, like does she? Because a lot of these people, 
out there playing the game don't even know what Pokemon really is. Like what the fundamental aspect of Pokemon is, the idea of training the Pokemon and fighting them against each other and wandering around a world and, and meeting people and going to gyms and gathering badges and all that kind of stuff. That is the fundamental aspect of Pokemon. This reminds me a lot of Pokemon Snap where it's like, um, it actually is Pokemon Snap in a lot of ways where it's like, like it's just a, it's just a mobile 21st century version of it. And I thought Pokemon Snap was, was shallow, but smart in its own way. And so I think that this is the same way. So I'm, I'm, I, I, I like it. I think it's cool. I, I picked it up and, and in two minutes, I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like I can't download this. You know, like I, I like, like I, I like the thing is, is that, you know, people think I'm hard on Nintendo and I guess I am, but I love Pokemon. Like I played every Pokemon game until like three years ago. I played all of them, you know, like every one of them. So it's, it's not like I love those games. I collected them all at one time, you know, because I was a, a dork like you once. Huge loser. Uh, and that goes back to, you know, Pokemon uh, Red. And so when I, when I was seeing these familiar Pokemon and see, it was a, it was a great nostalgic touchstone for me as well Yeah, to see these, uh, these familiar creatures and see someone that I love, like kind of get into it and like ask questions about it. And I'm like, oh, like it's fucking as weird. a 31 year old man, I'm like, well, you know, she was saying she was like, she, she, uh, evolved the Pidgey. I'm like, Oh, Pidgeotto. Yeah. And she's like, just looked at me and I'm like, yeah, never mind. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel <laughs> like if this, if this would have dropped at the beginning of convention season, I would be into it. But it's the fact of, and that, because uh, I want to go back now that they fixed the Google thing and log in once and be done with it and then I'll play it. But it's like, it's a similar thing. I'm just like, how many times I, 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 ca- I caught the mouse looking motherfucker out there in the living room the first day, right? And I'm like, all right, cool. Retire. Now I got him and I go, but the Pokey Stop thing, and like the playing for gyms and doing all this stuff, that sounds interesting. And like, if I wouldn't, you know, I mean, like Grimecraft did that DJ thing last night, mm-hmm. I totally would have gone and hung out and done that too if I didn't have plans. Like, it's a cool thing. And I, I, what's fascinating about it is this societal impact on it and the, the stories you're hearing of, yeah, people who, there was this great one on Reddit um, of this guy who was walking through the park late at night. And this is right after all the shootings and like, like what a few days removed from the Dallas shooting and all this, you know, turmoil we have in our country. Well, and he was walking through a park at like 3am cause he couldn't sleep and he was catching Pokemon and he got, did this. And these two black guys on a bench were like, Hey man. And he was like, they stopped and like looked at him and like, if you want whatever Pokemon, he's over here. Like, come on. And then this brought a cop out of a cop came by because eventually people were like, there's like a drug deal in the park and they explained it to the cop and the cop downloaded it while he was there. It's like, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. And then my cousin, who's, you know, a mother of two now, both high school boys or whatever, like freshman boys hit me up. She's like, what is Pokemon go? Like, why are all the kids out of the house doing this? They're running around the neighborhood in a giant group playing this game. What is happening? And you have to explain like, that's awesome. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. That's getting people like to socialize, getting people outside to play, putting a new spin on video games and what video games can be. Um, I think it's, I think it's all positive. Uh, to be frank. I mean, which is surprising for me to say, but what I've appreciated is the review is. scores are all seems like where they should be too, where they're like, the game's not that great, but it's a cool experience. It's super fun. Like people aren't like ten, you know what I mean? Like it's doing. No, exactly I, am, I am super skeptical that the game has legs beyond we'll a see. year, but we'll see. But we will. But yeah, we, no, will, but mean, we will see. And I mean, even if it doesn't, they they are going to make plenty of money on it. Yeah. I don't think they give a fuck. And their stock. The the important thing that we we left out is that I think it was on Friday or Monday. I mean, their stock went up like nine, Nintendo stock went up nine percent on Friday, and I think like another thirteen percent or something on Monday, which was their biggest one day jump on one of those days since the Famicom launched. So, yeah, yeah, it's pretty significant stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the conversion rate is going to be too high in terms of getting people from Pokemon Go to the, the core actual Pokemon games. But I also don't even think that's that's that bad. I think that they need to focus on what this is and building this and creating a new style of thing. I think Pokemon Go needs to be a separate thing from the Pokemon games. Eventually, one day they can interact with each other. I think that would be awesome. But I think Pokemon Go needs to be Pokemon Go. And that needs to, I hope that they keep continuing to evolve it and all that stuff and give it a whole bunch of new things. And I, I like that 
the game for as simple as it is, the more you put into it, the deeper it gets in terms of there's a lot more going on. It's like, all right, you're just catching these Pokemon. Okay, there's these gyms. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's three different teams. And there's all these meta storylines that kind of form from that. And have you seen the shit talk about oh, the yeah, yellow yeah, teams? Yeah, yeah, these teams? I don't understand most of it. Everybody hates the yellow team. Which is weird. Which is really weird because shout out to Zapdos. He my boy. But here's the, th- here's the problem with that is I obviously got to go Team Mystic because it's Articuno, which is blue. Of course. Right? Zapdos. The superior of legendary birds, but Team Mystic's where it's at. So the the biggest problem with this game is I think that it needs to do more of that. It needs to have more things come where it's like there's choices you make that feel like they're a part of something bigger than just repeatedly catching the same Pokemon over and over. Sure. Um, but I think that they've they've wowed me. The team once I saw that there was the teams, I'm like, man, that's really smart. And the teams kind of you you support your team to take over the gyms and you. You, it's a weird allegiance to it where you want them to, to keep succeeding to take over all the gyms in San Francisco. You know, I have a question. How do you mm-hmm. take over a gym? Because you don't fight each other, right? So you do just, you do? Okay. So you go you go to the gym and then there's uh, someone that's holding down the gym. Whoever yeah. has it is whatever team member is holding it down. You go there and you challenge them, and then it's like this like tapping game to like oh, okay. to beat it. But it's it's super basic, and it really comes down to who's the higher level. And then pretty much what. What is a pokey stop? Pokestops are just, it's where you can go and get items. and Like lures? L- yeah. the the. And can you run out of balls? Somebody said they ran out of yes. balls. Yeah. And then you I, when I was playing the first time, I never saw a, a number of balls. I was just throwing yeah, balls. Numbers. If you hit the Pokeball on the bottom of the screen, it like tells you all the items. What happens if I run stuff. out of balls? Then you don't have any. You can't catch them. You need to go to Pokestop, get more. Yeah. And you, can, just and, and you get them when you level up, no. too, I think. You okay. get more. Okay. I mean, that's what everyone was saying. Yeah. When you level, you get a lot of them. When you catch Pokemon, you get them. When you level up, you get them. Like, okay. you get them a lot. But then okay. also, Pokestops are everywhere. Okay. Like, there's one a couple blocks away or a block away. Sure. So, yeah. I, I, I love, I, I don't know. This is an interesting game. It's a very interesting game. It's cool to see a video game be a phenomenon like this for the general public. Very to, much. Yeah. To get them in. Also, yeah, I was uh, just talking to Aaron. I'm like, so she was telling me, she's like, oh, I'm like, have you evolved anything? She's like, I've evolved many Pokemon. I'm like, all right. Didn't know, didn't know, didn't know that about you. I love it. Um, so, and then there's eggs that you you get the eggs and you walk around just like in the games. And after a certain amount of steps, like they hatch and it's a random Pokemon. And like there's just so much little things where uh, it's cool. You know, you have that. And you physically need to walk around. Eventually, it pops open. And you get a lot of fucking duds that you didn't want. But then every once in a while, it's like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. You know, it is funny, man. It is yeah. funny. It's, it's good. Cool. It's good. Yeah, good for them. And and uh, this is what Nintendo. Uh, now, what like the, another question we can really go into this maybe next week is like what Nintendo can learn from this because. Um, I think it tells them a great deal about what they need to do. Yeah, just to abandon their hardware. Well, what's interesting too is when you look at the the <laughs> Wii, and it's just like the Wii was a similar thing where they had this thing where all of a sudden all these people that don't play games and everybody's talking about this, and then they didn't really do anything with it. So that's the big worry here is I hope that they don't repeat that fast. But hopefully this is a different Nintendo, and hopefully that they they're realizing what they have. And uh, it, have it does IP. get really interesting that Nintendo seems to not have much to do. With this, no, they don't. It is. It's totally Niantic and the Pokemon Company, which Nintendo only owns thirty percent of. Yep. So, yeah, that's the other thing is like Nintendo stocks going up, and they have to have a. They are making a lot of money, but all, not all the money is going to them. Yeah, certainly the lion's share probably. But and uh, I think we'll the most interesting thing about this though is that the stats of how well it's doing. Where you know you're talking about the the stock going up and all that, but in addition to that, it's the number one mobile game ever uh, in terms of downloads and all that stuff, and in terms of daily active users. And time spent in the app, it's rival, rivaling not even just games, but apps, Twitter, Twitter, yeah. Instagram, all this stuff. It's about to eclipse Snapchat. Fuck for, you, Snapchat. Fuck yeah, you, Kevin. I think I think that's the big thing is like if people think two million dollars is a lot of money for this game to make a day, like just wait because like yeah. if, as long as they can get these games out quickly in other regions, then 
They're going to be making way more it's than a, that. It's about to eclipse Google Maps for the most used thing of Google, of Alphabet, which is Google's parent company, the map service, which is Google Maps. So more people are using the GPS map service in Pokemon Go than Google. Well, not yet, but soon. Yeah, yeah. More than Google Maps. That's fucking insane. It's pretty, it's awesome. it's pretty remarkable. Pokemon, man. It's great. So great. I love this. Thank God. We got to win, guys. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Topic three. We're doing something a little bit different today. Thanks to my boy, Steven Insler. What Patreon up? producer. Thank once you, Steven again. Insler. We're going to do two topics of audience questions because <gasps> there was a whole bunch. Oh, good. whole bunch. And they were good. They, they, were, they were good. Okay. Some of them are all over the place. Some of them not so good. But that's why you I put want to address that. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Blackheart Vinyl has a long one here. Hey, guys. I want to talk about the relaunch of Evolve, but in a broader sense, because I know you guys didn't play the game. I adore the game for the record. What I want to discuss is how cool it is that we live in an age of something that was previously impossible, games getting a second chance. When a game flopped before, that was pretty much the end. Not that Evolve flopped, it sold pretty well, but player retention was not strong. And I think it's incredible that a game can now get a a little more tender loving care and hopefully come back. Greg will remember the rocky start to David Brevik's Marvel Heroes game that has now become something of a hugely successful success and a lot of fun. I'm just happy we live in a time when that's possible. What games would you like to see get a second chance? Oh, wow. Well, I echo his point, yeah, that it's cool that you can come out and, I, that you know, gazillion with Marvel Heroes, David Brevik's left the studio, but when he David was there, he'd go around and like for a year or two and be like, yep, the game wasn't that good last year. We've learned a lot. We've done a lot. We've changed it and you, to the point you get now to where it's Marvel Heroes 2016 because they put a year now at the end every time to make it seem new. And they do. They care Sorry. and they get in there and they listen to players and they make feedback and it's similar to this Pokemon thing we're talking about where it's like, oh, fuck, we've screwed all this shit up and we're fixing it right now. Here, here's your fixes. It evolves interesting. It reminds me of the Final Fantasy MMO that came out and nobody liked and then they relaunched and everybody liked it. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, like there's, there's been a few instances of this happening already. Uh, the, the, the pay to free to play thing happened with that Star Wars MMO, the Old Republic. Sure. Mm-hmm. Same thing with DC Universe um, Online. And, yeah, with DC Universe Online. So it's, it's not unprecedented. Final Fantasy 14 is a great example where the game was terrible and then they a Realm Reborn came out and everyone yeah. loves it. So it's not totally unprecedented, but what was interesting to me about Evolve was that, like, why? Like, I, I don't Nobody understand. Cares. Like, yeah, but Turtle Rock is like a great studio, sure. right? They, these, these, guys made, these guys made Left for Dead. Like, why does 2K want them to work on Evolve again? Like, now I know that, um, that, um, Strauss Zelnick, who's the CEO of Take Two, who owns 2K, came out and said, like, this Evolve, you know, when Evolve came out, it's like one of our permanent franchises. And I think that. They're trying to stay with that. And I mean, what, there are other permanent franchises were like Bioshock and Red Dead and Grand Theft Auto and all these kinds of games. So I'm like, well, I would have probably I think it would have been smarter to to abandon Evolve um, and have them do something new and something exciting and maybe not something not so contingent on asymmetric multiplayer, which seemed to be a turnoff for a lot of people because yeah. that wasn't what Turtle Rock was really all about with their games that were big. So um, there was more about like team play and stuff like that or playing by yourself. And so I think that. um I really think that we're seeing something we're seeing a critical mass of these kinds of games that require multiplayer communities where I'm, and I've been saying it for a long time where I'm like, you can't have all these games coming out. I do think you're going to see the same thing happen with Titanfall 2, where I think that like it's going to come out and people are going to be interested in it. And there's going to be like a, a sort of morbid curiosity about it and about its campaign. But I think when you're when you're going up against Battlefield and Call of Duty and all those games, like how can you possibly hope to succeed in that space? And I think that go, Evolve going to free to play certainly spiked the numbers on PC. The game is discounted on consoles right now as well. So I don't know if they're going to bring that model over per se. They did say they want to real um, quick. But to, I, I think I think it's a mistake for them to, to do double this. back to why stick with Evolve. I think is I think that there's bean counters somewhere in there that are thinking about how much money they put into uh, promotion, how much money they put in development, all these different things. And there must be we're so close to this being profitable or even more successful or whatever that why not? 
they, they, you know, this team cares about this game, whether or not, you know, the audience cared about it, uh, you know, the guy, person writing in did and loved it a lot. Uh, I think that they see enough in it that they're like, all right, cool. We can make these changes. These not simple by any means, but these little tweaks, these little changes to get people back in, to get people to try to get people to get invested and not have to blow it up and wait another three years for the engine, for the new game and this, that, and the other, and all the assets to come together. I think there's probably a thing there where it's like, they feel they were close enough on the monetary side and close enough on the gameplay side that they can do this. I think it's, it's an interesting question of how much um, the game's press matters anymore. Cause that was always my conversation with David at Marvel heroes. Cause he'd come by up at noon every year, or whatever talk about. It. I was like, so how's it going though? And he's like, Oh, you know, nobody wants it. once your game's out, right? When we, and this is, you know, older, this is IGN removed. But once the game was out when we were there, it was like, okay, cool. Now it's into the community and we're done with it. It was so hard to, make the audience care about something because they were coming to IGN for we want to know what's new and hot and that you guys have the exclusive access to. Once mm-hmm. everybody has access to it, we don't care. We go to like, like I was talking about brickinquirer.com. We go to a, a specialized site. And so now that, yeah, it, if they go through and make all these changes, are they going to pour money back into, all right, cool. Let's get a big promotional push. Let's get YouTubers playing it. Let's get all these different things. Let's try to do a media tour. And if, if would people care at that point? Mm. No, I don't think they would. And I think that the, and I don't think they do. I mean, that's the, that's the thing is I just think this was weird. My theory is that they took a small sliver of turtle rock and, and did this and the rest of the team's working on something new. I, I, I just don't believe that the entire, like, you know, that they, they have to have something else going. And what I, what I really feel like is possible is that they are working on a real sequel and that this is going to be the, the gateway. And that once the sequel is announced that then they can be like, well, you can play the game, the old game for free here. And maybe the new game will be free to play as well. And you can kind of get like your, your shit going. I just think that there's just way too many of these games. Like, because it's not necessarily the free-to-play model that's broken, although I think it is broken. It's 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 the the nature of these kinds of multiplayer versus single-player games. You can't... These are investments. These are massive investments that are way bigger than the investment you would make into a 15-hour campaign or a You can't be campaign. an expert at every one of these multiplayer games. You can't just, be, there's just too many of them. You can't be awesome at being the trapper and Evolve and also be great at uh, being ranged in Destiny and then also do... Because you have to go through and run... The, I mean, it's like when I see Alfredo tweeting about his streams, right? Where it's like... He's jumping in to play division and then whatever else. And I assume he's doing that because he knows he has to hit his dailies in division to keep that treadmill going so that whenever something big does happen on the he's expansion ready. side, he's ready to go. Same thing with destiny to an extent. I just don't see him recently talking about that. Yeah. So yeah. that, that was a weird, that was weird, man. That's that thing. That's you're, you know, you're into that universe. You're into that world. You know, that's the same thing of like, what is such a huge turnoff for me with DC universe online now, right? Of the fact of like, I'd love to play more DC universe in, but I jump in and I'm three armor sets behind and I look at how many, and I start calculating the hours it would take me to finish them all off to get my C- to get to the new raid i'm like well no that's never gonna happen like it's not even worth my time mm-hmm. next question comes from cozy bear says hey guys i have a question about gamestop's future as a video game publisher and this goes back to song, song of the, the deep. deep in the past several months gamestop has announced that it would be publishing insomniac song of the deep and more recently ready at dawn's deformers both games seem like potentially high quality experiences and i'm happy gamestop identified them as such and picked them up but with strong indie aesthetics to them neither seem like the kind of game that would be able to financially sustain gamestop in the all digital future we're slowly but surely approaching do these games indicate that gamestop will remain a publisher of small scale Video games going forward or side business to some other venture they have planned? Or is GameStop just testing the waters before it jumps in, funds a major AAA t- caliber title that'll bring home the bacon for them? Yeah, that's, testing I mean, the water. That's, yeah that's the big one. Yeah, yeah, you figure you don't want to go out here and have this giant move. Like, this is a big step for them. This is a big thing. They have a lot to learn, I'm sure, as they go through this. And so, yeah, you don't want to come out and be like, great, we've gotten AAA Titanfall. Studio X to come do this yeah. thing with us and then not know what they're doing. And I think 
it's interesting with Song of the Deep of how what lessons are they going to learn, right? Because Song of the Deep is critically meh right now being received, right? Mediocre being received. I like it a lot. There's, I'm sure there's other people like it a lot. But they put out a collector's edition. They put out a statue and they put out shirts and they put out a hat and they put out a keychain. They put out a Funko Pop and all this different cool stuff that matters to me. But suddenly did they totally overstretch on that where it's like we totally thought this game was going to be eights and nines and it's not and oh god do people care are they going to come in and buy this stuff yeah i think that i think they have to learn small and then loot and you you learn small and you and you put a small investment and then you then you lose small if you and you lose and i think that they're i i I don't think it would be beyond the realm of possibility that they lose big on this game um within that realm within that possibility still gonna be a small investment though because this game couldn't have been that much to to make, I think it's smart for them to make these these. Uh, ins- the thing about Insomniac and Ready at Dawn is that they're making indie style games with small teams, but they're capable of making huge games. So, so the the and they both have made AAA games. So, um, Insomniac's made many AAA games. So it's smart to get the relationships going with these guys and see what what that's all about. And then if the game does well and everyone likes each other, if Ted Price likes the guys at Game Trust and all these yeah. kinds of things, and and then like they're like, all right, let's scale Mark's. up to a fifty million dollar game because you know clearly Song of the Deep couldn't have cost more than you know. For, what five million dollars to make or something like that? I don't, I don't know. It's, it's it's just not like that. It's not resistance. It's not ratchet. It's not one of these games that Insomniac typically makes. Um, Think it's also it. interesting. I'm sorry to say, it's also interesting with Insomniac wants to contain their IP, and so it's interesting to see like who owns the IP and like what, yeah. the, what the relationship is there as well. First question. I mean, think about it from like you were talking about a publisher, but think about it from a developer, right? Of like. Naughty Dog didn't come out of the gate making Uncharted. They made different games, smaller games, and then you get on a roll, you know where you're going. They made a bunch of crappy crash games, and then they got to where they needed to be. Mm. But you understand, I mean, like, you know, you learn, you go, and you grow. And I mean, look at us. Like, the videos we started making, and now what we're trying to make, and we have an animated show and different stuff. We're moving to studio. Like, it's all about that learning curve. Definitely. Next question comes from CM14 says, hi guys, hi. what do you think of the Final Fantasy 15 theory that Luna is Genova? The shadows of the weapons from seven, the theory that they are connected sounds so cool. Emerald weapon is in the King's Glaive trailer. I can't wait for Final Fantasy 15. Here's my thing about this. I remember when 10-2 came out and then there was a whole bunch of, there was a character, there was Shinra and all this. And it was like, does it link to seven? I love that stuff. That's great. Um, I loved that the Final Fantasy Tactics, Final Fantasy 12 takes place in the same world. Yeah, Final Fantasy 13, obviously, the whole universe of 13, the diamond or not diamond, uh, whatever. Crystal. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole crystal Deku Day and whatever the fuck. Um, no that's just cool. With this, I mean, obviously, we got Final Fantasy 7 remake coming out eventually. So I think that it, it could be smart to link them. But at the same time, I think that it's just going to be fan theory stuff and i don't think it's going to be more official in any sense but uh it's cool i don't think luna is genova that sounds dumb to me i also but, uh, i think it's a bad idea to cross lore between games as well like between the universes um so like 10 and 10 2 obviously connected right but like because they're 10 and 10 2 or 13 trilogy is connected yeah but, but 10 2 links to 7 in very light ways if you like well, there's character like there's a character that's Talks about Shinra and blah blah blah. Yeah, but that's that that's that's stupid. Like like because the the cool thing the the strength of Final Fantasy to me is like keeping them all separate so that people can jump in. Similar to what we were talking about in the conversation with Persona. Um, it's why it's like annoying that there's Magitek armor in this and stuff. It's like why? I like like like, like why? Like but why? Like Magitek armor served a purpose in that world. So like how is there Magitek armor in Final Fantasy 15? It doesn't make any sense. You know like so like I. I that kind of shit actually bothers me because I'm like well the, just leave every, just leave it alone. Like why do we have to go back and ruin everything? You know, like these things stand on seven doesn't need any any help. You know, six doesn't need any help. Just leave them alone and let 15 stand on its own or not. But I don't like that. Like, I, I like fan servicey shit. Yeah, that's why you have Moogles for and, and Chocobos. Yeah. And and like summons and stuff like that, that like kind of connect Final Fantasy, make Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy seven. It's the same thing with Dragon Quest with slimes and all this kind of stuff. But they're um, and they do have arcs. I mean, those games are paired in threes, but 
Um, I don't know. I, I, I like the idea of 15 being, and, and 15 to me looks so fucking like, I don't know what the fuck it looks like, but I, I don't want it to touch anything I like <laughs> until I know it's good and then that's fine. As an outsider, I mean, the fact that there's Magitek armor in there doesn't have to be a reference to it's connecting the universe, right? It's just the fact that it's like as a comic fan when they reboot stuff or there's a different thing and there's, you know, somebody's named this or whatever. It doesn't mean that that's the same character from before. It could just be. Sure. And Final Fantasy has that with Sid and all those characters. Cool. I mean, there's a Sid in every game, right? Like the, like the, there's or most games there's they, they've already had that. But and those characters aren't Sid in four isn't Sid in seven. Like they're totally different sure. characters. They're both engineers. But um, or I guess have engineering minds or whatever. Um, but to me, I, I, I don't. I don't know. It, 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 I don't like this like retroactive. Like we have to have fan service like in every fucking aspect. And like Magitech Armor and Six is is a product of like of of Gestel and all those guys like summoning Espers and like stealing their power. And so like the, the, that armor and, and the power of those armor exists because of a very specific reason. I know it's a nerdy thing like that I would get hung up on, but um, but I just feel like okay, so like now you're just putting it in here. So like I can't because that caught my eye. I'm like Magitech Armor. That's cool, but like, what is the connection to Gestal and 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 Kefka and all these and all this shit? I'm like, there is none. So why is this here? Yeah, I love it. I like the universe, universe too, too direct and stuff. I like it when it's more subtle. Uh, Chuck says, "Hey, kind of funny. I grew up a big fan of Kingdom Hearts one and two during the PS2 era. Dork. I jumped over to Xbox after PS3 was too expensive. One of my major reservations was not being able to play Kingdom Hearts three. Imagine my surprise when years later Kingdom Hearts three was announced for Xbox One. Now here's my issue slash question. It's been years since I played any of the games in the series, and all the releases are PlayStation exclusive. What are your thoughts on releasing a sequel on a system that has never been home to any of the previous games of the series? Smart. I mean, it's, it's Sony's been the the Sony's gotten that with Mass Effect and stuff like that too." Yep. Um, so I mean we get Mass Effect 1 eventually on PS3 but it was actually after 3 came out uh, I think it's fine I think it's smart I, I, I'm actually shocked that the Kingdom Hearts collections 1.5 2.5 all that stuff is not on Xbox 360 or Xbox One like I don't I don't get that I feel um, like they're working on it I, I mean if I had to guess that since it's only on they released the HD 1 and 2 on PS3 it's not yet on PS4 I have a feeling that once they're ready with that full collection that has 2.8 and has everything It'll be on PS4 and Xbox One. Yeah, I mean, it's weird though because they, I mean, so Square Enix is Japanese. They're, they 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 want to hit the Japanese market, which doesn't give a flying fuck about Xbox. So I get all of that. They're doing the same thing. They did the same thing with Final Fantasy X, and they did the same thing with Final Fantasy XII. So it's like, I, I, I'm actually confused for my Xbox brethren, where I'm like, I don't I don't get it. I don't know. Like, it's not like you guys aren't getting like all the other big Square releases. So I don't understand. It's a little weird, you know, mm-hmm. like, but Square is playing this game clearly with everyone where they're like, well, Tomb Raider is on Xbox and it'll come on the PS3 later or PS4 later. And well, this is on this and we, the Japanese games are on PS4 and you're not going to get them. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. You know, like, I, I think it's a little confusing. If I was an Xbox gamer. I'd be very frustrated with the Japanese armor Square Enix because they're not getting anything, you know, mm-hmm. but they are going to get Kingdom Hearts. They are going to get Final Fantasy 15. So you're going to get the games that are, you know, the marquee titles. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's confusing. I think it's weird. If I was, if I was a publisher, I'd put my shit on everything. You know, and I said yeah. that I said that I think on we we're talking on PS I Love You when I did it with Altana, where I was like, if I were I would go so like we were talking about Capcom specifically, and I was like, if I were Capcom, I'd release everything that I have in my catalog and everything. I would I would pay a ton of money to certify, put trophies and achievements on everything. I'd be like, everything is coming out. Fucking Street Fighter twenty forty nine is coming to fucking Xbox three sixty. You know, Breath of Fire two is coming to Xbox three sixty and Xbox One. Like I just do it all. I'm just we leave it there, just like a virtual console thing. I mean you would make assume, money over time. I think you would assume you'd make a lot of money yeah. over time. But maybe maybe you know what the fact that they're not doing it, maybe they aren't maybe they don't see I just think it's return. ambitious. I just think it's it's more complicated than I mean it's worth these are big corporations that want to make big amounts of money. So sure. so it's like, you know, yeah, we're gonna make a few hundred thousand dollars on each of these games. Like who cares? Yeah. Mm, and point. I think that's probably their mentality. Yeah. 
Beto says, hey guys, love your show. Do you think the new Xbox console is codenamed Scorpio because it will be released between October 23rd and November 21st, 2017? Ooh. Is this a common theory around your circles? Because it seems rather obvious. I never heard that. I never uh, thought of that theory. It makes sense. I, I never heard that or thought about it. I don't think that that's the case, but yeah, I think, either. but I, I think that it's, it could be a nice coincidence mm-hmm. and they can play if, if Microsoft's cognizant of that, and I'm sure they are, they read everything. Then I think that they can probably play that up. Yeah. Ali Polo says, Hey guys, what happened to cheat codes and why did they exist in the first place? I always thought the developers put them in so they can access levels and weapons, etc., while showcasing the game to press. No, because there's debug modes in games. So, yeah. so, um, if you play a game on a test kit, um, or a debug kit, um, so this is like closer to the we like we have PS4s and PS3s that play debug software, which is like software that's not done. They play it on burn discs usually, and um, or you can play it on a dongle or whatever. And it's basically a way to Package access the games. Nowadays. And like you'll notice that. Um, all right, so I played Horizon um, on a debug PS4, and uh, the guy wanted to reset, put me somewhere else, and so like the code like. Uh, developers put like different code or different input codes into their controllers to access different menus or do different things. And I think he pressed like the touchpad or something like 10 times. And then it brings up like, like, you know, like a menu and you're allowed to like manipulate anything you want in the game. And that's basically how the developers manipulate their game when they're playing it around. They're like, okay, I want this guy at, they're always, um, I forget the name of it. The system that a lot of gamers, a lot of uh, developers use where they're constantly funneling new versions of the game into, so they always have the new version of the game or whatever. Anyway, they can say like, these guys put new textures over here. And so I'm just going to lift my character up and put him over there in the world. And they do that with a debug menu. So that's not why cheat codes were in the game. No, the old days. Yeah. And I mean, for PlayStation three, a lot of it was on the debug hit both R three and L three at the same time. And that would bring up and you can go through there and set, yeah, true values to this or move it to night and day or do this room. Cheat codes, I think fell away, right? Because did people really use them? I feel like there's definitely games where, yeah, we can also, I mean, I remember GTA 2 on PS1, we'd sit there and put in codes so that, all right, cool, we're going to restart and everybody's going to have the rocket launcher and how much damage can you do and do all this kind of stuff. But I feel like for the most part, that was probably a waste of time now more than, and things are harder to do now would be the other thing. Like big head mode isn't as easy as it used to be in a 16 bit NBA jam to put in. Yeah. Now you have to go through and render and do all these different things and make sure the game fucking runs like that. And as you see that these games that get put out and can barely run, like what's the point of going through to do that? Yeah. I think it was a matter of replay value and keeping your, yeah. like, you know, also nullifying uh, your, your ability to like move on to the next game. You spend a lot of money on these games. Games were way more expensive back in the day. So I think it was smart for them to, to do that. But I also think Greg's Greg's point is great. Like this is a QA nightmare. Yeah. Um, you know, like a, a QA being quality assurance. If you can break the game in a million different ways then you have to QA all that kind of stuff and it's not easy. It's a fucking probably actually super obnoxious. And these guys look at this and like they have data now since the PS3 and Xbox 360 era. Like as long as the, as long as the publishers and developers put, you know, the appropriate things into the game, like they have data on everything like that you've ever done, even if you're playing a single player game, if you play Bioshock Infinite, which has no online at all, they know how long you played it. They know the weapons you use. They know like what you prefer to do. And like they have heat maps of where people go on the maps and they can learn from all those things. I mean, that's, that's the way the games are developed now. And they probably look at this stuff and they're like, well, no one really does, you know, does this kind of stuff in the early PS3 games. So they don't put it in the later PS3 games. And now you don't see it at all anymore. So, but I think a lot of it has to do with QA and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that like it's just it's just games like, get more complicated these little things it is, you just need a little thing to fuck everything up yeah I think that also just games are bigger now in general and I think that there's more to do and there's more being put into the games that you're supposed to do and there's so much side quests and so much the open world and all that stuff that back in the day it was about replay value and it was about playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and using the the cheat codes because it, it made the game different and made yeah. the game fun you can play in a different way um, I remember Sonic the Hedgehog had you can do the debug mode and all that stuff and it was fun to mess around with a game that you've beaten a hundred times but now you can do it in a different way so I miss cheat codes but I also don't think that they have a place 
in modern games at all. Like, I don't think that they no. even work in certain in things like when NBA Jam came back. Yeah, cool. That should have cheat codes because that makes sense. Sure. Um, but I, I can't even imagine how cheat codes would fit into a Call of Duty. You know? Yeah, and, and then it breaks it and then it breaks it for other people. Are you playing it on like the thing that I the only, I never really use cheat codes. I didn't care much. Tony Hawk was a good example of like cheat codes that were actually fun to use. And there's other examples like uh, Justin Bailey and Metroid and stuff like that. But um um, or things like the the Chris Hulahan room and Link to the Past and stuff like that, like these little kind of workarounds. But actually, Game Genie was like the only thing I really loved, loved on any because because yeah. Game, Game, Genie, Genie, broke, Game Genie broke the shit out of the games. I mean, that wasn't those weren't cheat codes. That was like break, literally breaking the game. Um, you can't do that kind of stuff anymore either. They had stuff like you know Game Shark and stuff like that. But Shout again, Game Shark. But again, like you can't. Um, Game Genie was a what a fucking thing. Game Genie was, was awesome. awesome. That was a Gloob product for people that don't know. I don't oh, know God. if Gloob exists anymore. And that was like a thing like where you ha- came with these books and you can buy more books and like there was like you just put in these like this this sequence of letters and numbers and then it would be like here's infinite lives in Zelda or it changes the co- colors like like palette or like it does all these things and I'm like this is fucking fantastic. Awesome, like, I love that shit. Yeah. Yeah. And then Nintendo sued them I think and there was like all sorts of drama with them. Yeah, anyway. So topic 4 today of the kind of funny games cast as always brought to you by Patreon. Thank you very much. To all of our beautiful Patreon supporters at the twenty dollar above level, that was nice. Yeah, that's like, like that Anis Demilo, whatever. No, is that what that? No, no yeah, it's sixteenth chapel. Six man, six, yeah, I, I, I fucking plowed through that thing. one. Not as bad. Not as bad as me thinking that was Venus Demilo. Stephen Carell says, "What games are you guys most excited to play on VR?" <sighs> you Valkyrie, homie. I mean, at launch of PlayStation VR, it's Res for me. Like uh, Res Infinite, I when I played that at PSX la- last year, man, that that was the that was the first time I put on it, put the unit, took it off, and I was like, that was a game that felt like a real game that didn't feel like an experience that felt like something I would sit down and play hours of. Yeah, maybe not all at once, but for me, it's Star Wars for sure. Even if it is an experience, that's what I want. I, I don't. Oh, like, the Tie Fighter stuff. Yeah, I'm like they're not ready to make the full game thing yet. That's fine. Sure. I just want that experience. I mean, it's there's nothing like that. That's so cool. And I, I remember when uh. I heard that they were going to make Space Mountain into Hyperspace Mountain at Disneyland. I was so excited because it's like, I love that ride, but adding Star Wars music to things makes things better. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I think that uh, there's something very, very unique about uh, the, the the feel of what Star Wars is. And when you add that to VR, it's like, all right, cool. There's going to be a whole bunch of VR experiences of me flying around in a cockpit, but an X-Wing cockpit, a TIE fighter cockpit, that's different. That's mm-hmm. that's something where I'm like, yep, living the dream. I mean, I mean that's the equivalent uh, earlier time of Pokemon Go, where it's like Niantic put out Ingress years ago. No one gave a shit. Like pe- the people that liked it liked it, but like overall, that's not gonna you know change the the mobile game or anything. You add Pokemon to it, all of a sudden it's like, huh, this makes sense, and I totally understand. And I think that with Star Wars, it's the same thing, where that is that that touchstone, where everybody that experienced that is going to be like, holy shit, and I can't wait to see what they do with it. Yeah, I, I um. I think Eve Valkyrie is the most exciting. I mean, for the games that are announced, I think Eve Valkyrie and that. And I want to see Resident Evil. Mm. I want to play at Comic Con. I'm excited. Yeah. Tim, do you want to play the Comic Con with me? No, I already played it. I'm good. It's going to be. This, is, this is the. Oh, okay. You need to make that happen? No. Is that a thing? It is really scary. Andrew Street at Street Sweeper says Good name. Good name. Will VR bring about the return of the murder simulator argument in politics and news about games? Yes. But the argument is, did it ever go away? 
I think politics just got lazy. (laughs) They Mm -hmm. they maybe noticed that nobody was listening to that argument. Yeah, when you put on VR and you are now holding the gun and somebody puts out a... It won't be on PlayStation VR, but when somebody puts out a download where you are killing cops or whatever, like, yeah, that's going to be an issue. Mm. And people are going to put that out and it'll be like... uh, Hatred will be like that, right? Of When you have your hatred game that's in VR and the gun's in your hand, someone will make a big deal about it. But hopefully there'll be level-headed people there to always be like, well... We've always had light gun shooters. Is it really any different? Like, granted, this game's rewarding you for one thing, but it's one one way that they're taking this art, this direction, this game, whatever. Yeah, I think when the VR first kind of goes really mainstream with PlayStation, I think that we're going to get obviously a lot of news coverage from it from every angle because everyone's going to be talking about yeah. it. And I think that that will be one of the the perspectives people take. But I do think that overall, there's going to be a lot more uh, positive angles that we oh, covered sure. and, and, yeah. and really like focused on. And I think that, at first yeah, it's going to be a, I don't think it's going to be any different than it has been because people are always going to have issues with violence. Wouldn't any form of media. So I think that, uh, VR is just going to be a new way for people to be mad. Yeah. At first it'll all be about the tech, but then yeah, somebody will get their hands on it and make this game. That's weird. Yeah. Um, Matt Wenny says, why is Nintendo being so slow in revealing the NX? Like, just get to it already. Fans are sick of waiting. There's zero monetary gain to keep waiting, in my opinion. I respectfully disagree with you. I think that they there's no reason to talk about it until it's absolutely ready to be talked about. And if the plan is March, I think wait as late as possible because you're just going to get drowned out in the entire holiday run of everything. I think we're so close to E3 and there's still Comic-Con. Like There's still conventions where announcements get made. I think that they need to wait until later in the year maybe even a September. Um, I think October you could push it to, but October games start coming out. So that might be uh, not the best time because you need to think about it. They they're competing for the, the IGN placement. You know what I mean? Like how long is IGN going to keep talking about NX when it comes out? Like you look at right now, IGN, I guarantee you there's five stories about Pokemon go and, and tomorrow it'll be five new stories and whatever. They're owning that right now in October, in November, you need to think about those placements being taken up by Call of Duty reviews and Call of Duty strategy videos and Call of Duty this and that. Re- repeat that with Titanfall and Battlefield and this and that and blah, blah, blah. You go down the line, it's like they're competing for space. Yeah. Then when you get on a more mainstream level, it's you know they're, they're, it's obviously going to be talked about, but there needs to be those follow-up conversations. There needs to be more articles than just this thing happened. And when you start competing with the reviews and all the other stuff of all the big blockbuster titles, I think that's a bad idea. So I think September is when they need to, to strike early October at the latest, um, do their own event, really own it, own the message, own everything and go from there. Word. Word. Yeah. They, they need to own that moment. Franklin Sizemore says, Hey Franklin, how did the quality of voice acting get to where it is today? You take it more seriously, more yeah. room to run the audio, more intent on storytelling. I mean, people you have to directing re- games, like making directing cutscenes, directing it like a movie. Yeah. I mean, you remember even like, like voice acting was compressed and there was, wasn't a lot of room to dedicate to it back in the day as well. So, um, I think I just came to, it just became important yeah. and the more important storytelling became and the more the high fidelity of the audio became uh, a touchstone of these storytelling games and these narrative driven experiences. I think that that was just a natural evolution of that. I think now, when people started calling it out too and talking about it and that was a, that was a pro or it was a con, you know what I mean? How many games did you play that were like, these are great. These cutscenes are awful. Yeah. This voice acting was terrible. And people saw that developers saw that and publishers saw that and started putting a premium on that as they saw the fact of, you know, Oh shit, people are, talking nonstop about metal gear solid because they love these characters and they love the way it played out whether you yeah. know what i mean 
how can you look at Vulcan Raven and not love his voice acting? It's true. It's very true. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's funny to look back at voice acting in games and you look at things like Resident Evil, obviously, was uh, one of those things. A sandwich. Yeah, but it, it was such a joke. But it was also such a big deal because it was novel. And like, sure. as bad as it was, it was still like, oh, man, like right. there's there's voices in this. This is this is crazy. This is oh man it's like watching a movie right but you're playing it you know what i mean like that started that conversation and that's i mean why i bring up the metal gear touchstone of like that was for me like such a holy shit this is where we're going as an industry and that move in that game got so much critical acclaim for it mm-hmm. and now yeah you go back and watch and it's like blurry faces moving right. around and they're all overacting and stuff but at the time you were like yeah shit this it was is a step, amazing a step in the right direction which is kind of where we're at now like i think other um success stories were like star fox 64 which is different, you know, but like that did give that game so much character. And the most memorable thing about that game is the the voice acting and the characters and, and that stuff. Um, and then obviously Final Fantasy X, the first Final Fantasy to have voice acting. When people think back on it now, like that is one of the the laughing scene. The, the laughing scene is one of, it's one of the, <laughs> the most the most talked about things about that game. You know, because it was awkward and bad. But oh, that's so just bad. because. But no one knew any better. Yeah, exactly. Like that's just in. Uh, in relation to the, the other things and what we have now, it's horrible, you know, but back then it was like, huh, it was novel. Um, but yeah, now things are in a really good place. So I'm happy about that. Connor Jetton says quick first response to come to your head. Clear what heads, do you everybody. think is the most underrated game of this generation so far? Donkey Kong country, tropical freeze. Mad Max. Song of the Deep. I don't know. I mean, that's what cleared my head. This was yeah. pumped, so that's just because it's on my mind. We've talked about it this show. There you go. All right. There there you go. There's your answer. If I come to that makes sense. Thomas, I just Parker. don't walk around grinding, you know, with an axe to grind about, you know, this game was underrated. Yeah. I don't either, but like, I, and I don't, I use the term, we use all use the term underrated, overrated, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't like, what does it really mean? But yeah. there are certain games where I'm like, I can't believe this. Like, people don't understand this game. And Mad Max is one of those games. I'm like, I just can't believe it. <laughs> you know, like, the game's awesome. Thomas Parker says, why is that games industry so secretive compared to the movie industry? I was having a fascinating conversation about this with someone recently, a friend of mine in the industry. And he was asking the same question and he's a big deal in the industry. And uh, he and I were, were hanging out. And Ken, I, Levine. Uh, Ken Levine. And uh, he asked the same question. He was just like, I, I don't get it. And he was telling he was telling me stories about, you know, the way they do it in movies and, and all this kind of stuff and how different it is there. Like how move, there are no secrets in movies like the movie industry is there's no secrets. Things are gestating for years and people are just, are just open about it. And, and people are like, this guy's writing this now and this guy, everyone it's, even if it's a secret outside, like everyone in the industry knows and that's the same thing in the gaming industry. There are, there are secrets, but there are a lot of secrets we know as well. Um, so I don't understand it either. I think it's stupid, but I think it allows, um, on the other hand, people to really make a pop when the announcement is made because movies are different than games and there's, um, you know, so it's just it's run a little bit differently. The thing that the, the thing that quick, can we define what the, the secrecy is that we're talking about. You're talking about the announcement of games when like Spider-Man, like when Insomniac's working on Spider-Man forever and quietly. Yeah, well, they, I mean, they had only been working on it for a little while, actually, at that point. But like the, the a, gra- a greater example is like we're going to get Red Dead, right? Red Dead three. And and again, I want to be clear because everyone's like, it's Red Dead two. No, it's not. It's Red Dead three. If it's Red and, Dead Redemption, it's Red Dead Redemption two. Right. But it's not going to be Red Dead Redemption two. So. It's, I, I still think it's be like Red Dead Revolution or something like yeah. that. Why would they do that? Why would they make Red Dead Redemption 2? I, I, I hope they don't do I'm that. I'm not arguing. That would be, so, yeah, yeah. be so dumb. And the only reason would be name recognition, but everybody calls it Red Dead, so anything you put after Red Dead. Um, but, uh, God, I hope that. I hope they don't do that. That would be so stupid. But uh, they, what, uh, they can call it fucking Shit Sandwich if it's a good game. I don't care. Um, Red so, Dead Shit Red Sandwich. Dead shit no, sandwich. they can literally <laughs> just call it Shit Sandwich and I'll still play. <laughs> um, but but like so like that game is going to clearly be announced that game's been in development for years why don't we know about it? like what is the big deal but on the other hand it's like well you get a big pop out of it but the but the, the the example is like no one does that with movies 
Like no one does that with movies at all. You know, like not only is it not possible, probably because it's like there's not a lot of secrecy. Like even with Star Wars, like well, Episode Seven, it's like we, well, we didn't know much about Episode Seven. Things were leaking, whatever. We knew Episode Seven was in production forever. They announced that they were going to make it before they even made the game. Like all, it is totally different, and that's a really good point. And I don't, I don't quite know all of the reasons why that is. Is it because you, I think the argument might be made that it's because it'll take longer and not all the time. Don't get me wrong, but I think the fact this is this goes back to what you're talking about. Why you're not mad, but why you're like. Why is Kojima out there talking about his game? We're going to get sick of hearing about it. It was still 2019, 2020 before you're going to play this game. Like that's, I would think the reason, right? Cause it's for when a movie's been gestating forever, like Ghostbusters three and now this Ghostbusters reboot, it's like at some point people are like, I'm sick of hearing about this fucking thing. Make the movie or get it out or do whatever. I think games suffer from that too, but games inherently take longer to produce. And that's why it, I think when you're seeing the shortened schedule now, like we're talking about like with fallout or even when it is like we release this game and then nine months later it'll be out. Maybe a year later it'll be out. That's more like a movie thing. Like, you know what I mean? When you see the first images of like Tom Holland, as Spider-Man, it's like, well, cool. I'm seeing this right now of him taking a selfie and doing all this different stuff. And literally in one now less than one year, I will see this movie. So it's like, it's not really burning. Like where the hell, man, it's not, three years of seeing him do stuff with the suit and planner. I understand the argument and like, or just like the, the, the comparison, but at the same time, I don't hate it. Like I like it. I like, I like, I don't, I, I if it was, it could, if it could be with the same with movies, I think it would be awesome, but the, the, the movies are just made differently. I don't understand the movie industry. So, but I do understand the game industry and I think that it's, I think that it's, uh, you know, I think it's cool. I think it's good for games that, that they're not announced early. I think, like, I think it was great for fallout Four that it was announced the way yeah. it was. I think it's gonna be great for red dead when that game is inevitably announced and comes out very quickly. Shit sandwich. Shit, shit sandwich. sandwich. Rockstar, Rockstar San Diego presents shit, shit sandwich. sandwich. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that's been the kind of funny games cast. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Lovely gentlemen for joining me. Thank you, Kevin, for being there. Looking Big like Kev. Nick Foley. <laughs> Until next time. I love you.